0: You're listening to The Sermon, our playbook for spiritual victories, originally taught on Sunday, September 10th, 2023, by Lead Pastor Dan Krause from Brea Baptist Church. Go ahead and be seated and hold on to your laughter for a minute. Your amazement. Our Our visitors are so confused right now. Today we're going to be talking about idolatry. (laughs) O-H? Now listen, if you can say that, you can say amen when I preach. Thank you. I have never seen them so excited, Isaiah. I know. You quit. So they're like, we had to look at that lion's shirt this entire time at worship, so at least we can have this. So uh, it's football season, right? And a lot of you are excited about it, that's probably where you're at the first service so you can get home and catch all the games today. Um, and a lot of your wives are like, why do I have to hear about football at church? I do not want to hear about that at home, I don't want to hear about it at church. But, but it is, it's football season all across America, um, in every small town, every big city, everybody's really excited about game day, Right? And I can tell you, like I help out on a team, a high school team, I, I can tell you pretty much every locker room before a game sounds identical. You know, coaches think that they're really creative. You know that, right? But they get out in front of their team, and there's really only so many things they can say, but they're going to probably say something like, hey, all week we practice hard. We practice harder than that other team. You guys hit harder, you ran harder, you did all the right things, and now it's time to execute, right? We drew up a plan that we are sure is going to beat that other team. By the way, every locker room, they're saying the same thing. None of them are saying anything new. They, they're they trying to convince that their players, that they've got the better players, they've got the better play calls, they are ready to go, and they're ready to win the game. I think it's funny, by the way, as a coach, that you're like, Listen, especially offensive coaches, every play should be a touchdown. Because if you execute what you're supposed to do, it's a touchdown. We drew it up to be a touchdown. You didn't get a touchdown. It's your fault. Right? By the way, I, because we're going to be talking a little bit about football today in this sermon, I, I chose this shirt particularly. So if you don't know, I'm from Michigan. Thank you. Thank you. And I wore this shirt because I didn't want to cause my weaker brothers to stumble, all right? <laughs> for real, though, if I would have showed up with a Wolverine shirt, nobody would have heard a word I said today. <laughs> and I'm learning to be culturally relevant, okay? <laughs> today I want to talk a little bit about our playbook for spiritual success. You know, we have a playbook for spiritual success and spiritual victories. What if we took that as seriously or more seriously than athletes take a game that they play? I can tell you in being part of locker rooms for multiple different sports, people take their sport very seriously. They change the way they eat so they can have a competitive edge. They change the way they train so that they can be physically fit and ready to go. I can tell you, my my sons who are involved in the sports, they're up at five in the morning. or well, they're up at four thirty at the gym at five in the morning before school and before whatever practices, looking for a little bit of an edge. A lot of athletes change who they hang around, so that they can be around people who are helping them get better at their sport. They they change what they watch because they want to spend their time learning more about this craft that they want to be better than somebody else in. Athletes, good athletes, take every aspect of their lives seriously so that they can compete at the highest level possibly. Friends, what if the church had that same attitude about our spiritual growth? What if we had that same motivation? By the way, one is a game that really doesn't matter at all. Did I only get one amen on that one? <laughs> well, it matters a little bit, Pastor. I mean, <laughs> oh, wow, there's so much work to be done. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time with that. That was shocking. So <laughs> it really doesn't in the grand, we, we know that, right? Like, we know that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, Whereas our spiritual walk has eternal significance. What if every Christian, what if everybody in this room or watching online had a mentality of, I've got to keep looking for spiritual success. I've got to read this playbook. I've got to be ready for this because people are watching and this is real and it matters. And the more I look like Christ, the more I model this behavior, the more people can see him through me, the more opportunities I can have to share the hope that is within me, the more people who are going to escape the gates of hell because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, this isn't a game. This is life. This is eternal life. And we have the playbook to have a successful life. What if we used it? What if we changed everything about our lives to model it so that we could be ready to take the field? Not only do we have what we need in God's Word, we have His indwelling Holy Spirit. What an advantage against our opponent. What an advantage we have against our opponent! We're going to be looking today at 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, if you're a guest, you just, you don't have a Bible, back at our welcome table um, or information, uh, a desk that kind of in that corner, we have a Bible for you. So just go over there and visit them. We'll give one to you. Um, otherwise, you can just kind of join on your phone or on your Bible app or on the screen. Oh, that's a terrible look. Oh. Sorry. But 2 Peter chapter 1, let's, would you join me in prayer? God, I just thank you for laughter. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that we can come together, that we can sing praises to you. God, I know for myself, thinking through this kind of analogy, I feel like I should have been kicked off this team a long time ago. God, I don't deserve a spot yet you allow me to be here. You have given me new life. You have given me hope for a better tomorrow. And when I make mistakes, when I drop the ball, when I don't do as you have asked me to do, there is grace and there is forgiveness. And God, we are so thankful for that. But God, I want to do better. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. And I feel like That's true of all of these people in this room or watching online. So God, through your word today and by the power of of your Holy Spirit, would you help us do just that? Would you help us to be better? Would you help us to take that step closer to you today? We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11, would you join me? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness this book of the Bible. Uh, there's probably not a, a, a book in the Bible that I have studied more than I have studied Second Peter. And, and, and a, a part of that is because of who Peter was. I, I think Peter is, is the guy in the Bible that most of us can identify with the most. Right? Because he messes up so many times. He, he messed up quite a few times, and sometimes he messed up kind of significantly. You know, he was admonished by Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. He denied Jesus three times. When things got hard, he denied Jesus three times. This is the same guy that was so puffed up and thought he was so tough that when they came to arrest Jesus, he cut off a Roman soldier's ear. A few hours later, I I, I, I don't know him. Can anybody else identify with Peter if you're honest? Like it feels like anytime you do take that step forward, you're going, Oh man. Why does he even let me be on the team? Because when I mess up, I, I seem to mess up big. It certainly feels that way, that I mess up big. This text and this chapter, or this book of the, the Bible, this letter that we're reading, I think is all the more significant because it is likely the last time Peter is going to have correspondence. And he knows it. Listen to the following verses from Uh, 12 through 16. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And we're going to talk about those qualities here in a moment. Remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to at any time recall these things. Peter isn't dying because he's sick. Peter is going to be martyred, and he knows it. Peter is soon to be dead. And while he knows he is soon to be dead, as the Lord had uh, apparently revealed to him before the writing of this book, this letter, Peter says, there's some things you need to know. I want you, as the parents in this room, how many of you in this room are parents? As a parent, I want you to consider, you know you're about to die, and you have a conversation with your children. That's a weighted conversation. It's a weighty conversation. Because you know I'm going to have to say something that's, that's the most important thing to me for you to know. I want you to know this. And I want to be sure that you know this. And that's where Peter's at when he writes this. Before Peter dies, his parting advice encourages believers to become more like Jesus. If you boil it down, his parting de- advice encourages believers to become more like Jesus. Isn't that our goal church? Is is that our heart's desire? It had become more like Jesus. Our first point that we come to this morning in this text, sticking kind of with a football theme, there are no excuses. There are no excuses. We must execute. Again, football coaches, before they talk to their team, one of the things that they're probably going to say is listen, excuses don't matter. I want you to go out there and I want you to give it everything you have. You've worked hard for this day, you've worked hard for this game day, you've practiced, you've watched film, you know what's coming. You know the plays that are going to be called. You, you know how good your opponent is. You know where his strengths and his weaknesses are. You, you, need to, you, you have been done everything you can do to be ready. Now there are no more excuses. It's time to put up or. I'm glad you said it. I wasn't going to say that. Thank you. <laughs> There's no more excuses. Have you ever talked to somebody and then it's just like filled with excuses of why something didn't happen? Maybe you're an employer employer, and you have an employee that hasn't been uh, living up to, to his or hers uh, goals. And, and then every time you talk to them, it's the, yeah, I know, but, I, I, I know, but, and they have some excuse. Are we the same way? Yes, Lord, but first I have to do this thing. I I don't want to have to get up and and start my day in your word. Like there's other things I can do. I can kind of like, it's easier for me to grab my phone and just kind of flip through Facebook. Or or, yeah, I, I know I really need to treat my wife better, but she's so nasty to me. I'll switch that around for the second service when my wife's here. We've got all the excuses in the world, don't we? Friends, it's time for no more excuses. Whatever's stopping you in your spiritual growth, whatever's whatever's stunting your sanctification, it's time for no more excuses. You have, you child of God, have absolutely everything you need for spiritual success and victory in your life. There are no more excuses. Verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us some of the things that pertain. No. no. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Friends, there is no more excuses. You have everything you need. You have everything you need, and then some. These great, these very great promises that we have. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. To help us along our way. Friends, spiritual success is possible because of his spiritual power. Now you might think, as I'm talking as a coach to a team, right? You might think that all of this rests on your shoulders. It doesn't. It doesn't. You have everything you need because of his spiritual power. Because of what he has done for you. God has given you everything you need. The text says that we we are called. He has called us to his own glory and excellence. What does that mean? That means be more like Jesus. Let's not overcomplicate this thing. He modeled the life that we need to live. He says there's precious and very great promises Like becoming more like Him. Like enjoying the fruits of the Spirit. Like having access to the King of this universe. Like having our sins forgiven. Like having eternity set in place and waiting for us. Those are some great promises. And precious promises. That we could be partakers of the divine nature. Again, be more like Jesus. Kind of doubling down on that one no longer controlled by sin. Friends, far too many of us are getting beaten up by a defeated enemy. Far too many of us are getting beaten up by a defeated enemy. Your God is with you. His power indwells you. There is no excuse for us to be succumbing to these besetting sins. There there is no excuse that we don't have growth in our lives. There is no excuse. If we are not better today than we were yesterday, and by better I mean more like Jesus, I'm not saying that we are going to be perfect this side of heaven, don't hear that. But we should have a trajectory of becoming less like us and more like him throughout our lives. Now that line may not be straight. There's some bumps along the road, aren't there? By the way, this sermon's for me. Before you get any crazy ideas that I'm up here going, I have arrived. This sermon's for me. Listen, I'm frustrated with myself for underperforming all the time. Frustrated with myself for not having the growth that I think I should have in my life. Because I know that God indwells me. That the very one who hung the stars in the sky, his power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. And yet, for some reason, I I keep fighting some of these same battles that should have been dead and gone a long time ago. Friends, what if we had a mentality where we said, enough is enough, there are no more excuses. Today is a new day. Today I'm going to choose to follow Christ. Today I'm going to ask him, God, help me not to sin against you. God, help me to be more like your son. What if that was our mentality every day? Friends, I'm preaching this to myself and to you because I believe it can happen. And man, what would happen in this community if it does? There are no more excuses. My second point is this. While God has given us everything that we need, our effort does matter. Our effort does matter. And by the way, it does take some effort. We don't just lay in bed all day and go, God, sanctify me, I'll stay here until you do. I mean, seriously, he's going to be the, it's his power that's going to do it, but at some point he's going to say, well, get up and put it to practice. Our effort matters. You know, in football, no matter the play call, no matter the talent, everyone has to give their best effort to win a game, right? That's true in sports. Why would we think it's any different for spiritual growth? Why would we not be willing to put in the effort for the most important thing in our lives? How many times and how easily are we distracted, guys? We're giving up yards. We've got some losses in the season. And it's inexcusable. We have everything we need. God says, give us, give me back some effort. Listen to verses 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self control, and self control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. What does it mean to make every effort? It means to try and keep trying. It means try when things are moving in the right direction. Keep trying. It means try when you have had some losses, because you will. Keep trying. It means try when you don't feel like trying anymore. It means try and don't stop trying, making sure it's all in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Our effort matters, but it is His power that makes the changes. Peter then lists in this text these characteristics that are keys to our spiritual success and victories in our lives. And being used by him. First of all, faith, he brings up faith. Hebrews 11.1 gives us the best definition of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What does he said to faith? Add, Add to it virtue, which is excellence of character. Excellence of character. Ask your spouse, do I have excellent character? Ask somebody who's close to you. Do I do what I say I'll do? Am I a person of integrity? person of virtue? A so person of excellent character? Then we need to add to that knowledge. Gnosis is the word, the Greek word here. To understand, to increase our understanding. It's kind of the broad term for knowledge. And self-control, discipline yourself to understand that you're not just a passenger in life. You can control your urges and desires and you don't need to be controlled by them. Man, if we were better at that. And then add steadfastness. Speaks to one's perseverance and endurance. Getting back up when you've been knocked down. The godliness, the word for godliness here, speaks to how we live out our lives. Really, the easiest way to say it is like our religious activities, our religion. Our religion being followers of Jesus Christ. Brotherly affection, it's that Philadelphia, that brotherly love is the word that, that's used here. Followed, So that has to do with how we treat one another. That matters in our spiritual development. How we treat other Christians matters in our own spiritual development. And that's followed by this word love. So it talks about loving one another. This is agape love. Agape love often speaks of God's love for us. In this case, it, it, has, it speaks of our love for God. So our effort in these eight things lead to spiritual growth and victory. Our effort, because God has already given us the power. God has already given us the ability. God has already given us everything that we need to execute these things. So now our effort in these eight things will lead to spiritual growth and victory. Listen to verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, guys, I'm about to die. Listen. Listen. I'm going to give you some important keys to, to success in your spiritual growth. And he lists these eight things. My third and final point is this practice, practice, practice. I've never seen a perfect practice, by the way, in any sport. Boy, there's lots of mistakes. The same's true for us, but let's keep practicing. No winning team ever just shows up on a Saturday or a Sunday and just plays. Teams practice, and they train year-round in order to get an edge on their opponent. We've already talked about this. Our opponent, by the way, does have some power. Now, he's defeated, ultimately, but he does have some power that we need to take seriously. We know his schemes. We know what he's up to. We know what his playbook is, the calls he's going to make. Are we ready for that? We need to keep practicing. 2 Peter 1, 10-11 says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, these qualities he's talking about are those eight things I listed, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just like any other discipline, we need to practice these things in order to get better at them that list of eight things that Peter gives us highlight them in your bible write them down put them on your refrigerator this is this is our playbook this is how we're going to get further down the field this is how we're going to become more like Jesus this is how we're going to become more effective in our lives and if you're feeling like you're getting good at one or more of those qualities, that's great, but don't forget where you came from. Let, let's not get prideful when we've had spiritual success. Second Peter 1 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having what? Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Man, the work of God in our lives is incredible. What God has done for us is absolutely incredible. Let's not forget where we came from and let's not forget where we're heading. You've got everything you need for success. And friends, if we aren't practicing those eight qualities, by the way, if we're not practicing those regularly, we will inevitably fall back into our old bad habits. We're still fighting the flesh. And we will until we, until we receive our reward and we're with Christ in glory. We're going to keep fighting the fight. But this is our playbook. This is how we're going to move the ball down the field. This is how we're going to accomplish in the power of God, spirit sanctification and spiritual growth. And verse 11 also reminds of the prize at the end, we get heaven. After all, when we are finished on this earth, when God is finished with us on this earth, we get glory. Because of his righteousness, because of who he is and what he has given to us. As we're wrapping up this morning, we talked a lot about our effort, a lot about our practice. A lot about us not having any excuses as we're moving forward. Can I give you the best play that we can make? Our best play is our surrender. Our best move is to surrender fully to Christ and say, God, those eight things are in, unattainable for me, but through you and through your power, I believe it can happen, and I surrender to you today. What if we woke up every morning, not with just a motivation to get better, not just a motivation to become more like Jesus, not just a motivation to be used by him, but if we woke up every morning and said, God, I surrender to you. That is the best place we can possibly be, is in a place of surrender. follower of Jesus. If you are on this team, your instructions are clear. Follow them. Peter says, these eight things, I'm going to tell you, they're important. Write them down. And friends, if you're not on this team, if you're not yet surrendered to Christ, if you're not yet a follower of him, if he is not the Lord of your life, there's an invitation for you to come and join the team. Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, that is for you as well. Would you take a hold of that today? Would you surrender your life and trust him with it? We're going to pray, and then we're going to have another song of praise. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word. It is so rich, so meaningful, so encouraging, so motivating. God, I thank you for your your spirit. That again, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in your believers, in us. God, we truly are a people without excuses. Help us to become more like you. Help us to surrender our lives more fully to you today. God, for anybody in this room, who's yet to surrender to you. God, I pray that your spirit will be speaking so loudly to their heart right now that they cannot deny it. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that would make them uncomfortable or embarrassed, but with all of our heads down and our eyes closed, if you're sitting here and you're feeling like God is telling you right now, not later, but right now to surrender your life to him, would you just slip up your hand and I can pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I I pray that you would help us all to surrender to you. For those of us who are already followers of you, God, help us to surrender more fully, that we can experience more spiritual growth and be more useful in your kingdom and truly live a more fulfilled life. God, I also thank you that through the ups and the downs and through our successes and our failures, at the end of the day, God, we get heaven because of you and what you have done for us. God, I pray for those in the room that maybe this morning for the first time ever are going to surrender their lives to you or have already done so. God, may your spirit guide them to all truths. May you put people around them who are godly and are willing to disciple them. God, I I pray that you'd uh, encourage them to come and to seek out somebody to disciple them, whether it be here at the church or You're one of the congregants here. At the end of the day, help us to become more like you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.